get the most out of your career as a physician, you need an employment contract that supports you. Unfortunately, most contracts do not initially include everything you need to be successful. Employers draft contracts with their best interests in mind, but the terms that benefit your employer are rarely as valuable to you. Before signing an employment contract, you should always make sure your salary, bonuses, paid time off, and other terms are fair. Resolve is the one and only place you can get live salary data so you know exactly what's happening in your specialty at all times. The best part is the data is verified from real physician contracts. With access to data on what physicians like you are earning, you know when you are being underpaid and can confidently ask for what you deserve. In addition to providing data, they are the number one firm specializing in physician employment contracts. They work with every specialty nationwide. At Resolve, you get connected with an experienced attorney who will work with you one-on-one to ensure you sign with confidence. Your attorney will take your priorities into account, address your concerns, make suggestions, and help you strategize for any negotiations. They can even negotiate with an employer on your behalf. So whether you are a seasoned attending or just finishing training, Resolve is here to support you every step of the way. Visit resolve.com to learn more and discover how to sign your ideal employment contract. Resolve, your trusted partner for physician contract review negotiations and salary data. Hey, what's up, guys? I wanted to talk a little bit retirement plans today. It's going to be something, this will be a conversation I think that will be most beneficial for those of you that are employed, particularly if you work for a hospital system or even plan to work for one in the future. So what we're going to talk about is how the different retirement plans works collectively, and particularly if you have access to a 457B plan. So we're going to talk about how that interacts with like 401ks or 403bs. A lot of these hospitals offer all of those plans. And so I think it's important to understand like how they interact with each other and start to kind of figure out the best route to, to navigate this. Okay, so 401k, 403b, and 457. As I mentioned, a lot of hospitals offer two of those a lot of times they'll offer a 457B and a 403B or a 457B and a 401K. And every once in a while, they have all three of them. So first thing to understand is the limits with these. Many of you, once you get into practice, you're going to be trying to max everything out, which is a good thing, like to max out these tax shelters. So first thing is the maximum for the employee for the 401k, it kind of like overlaps with the 403b. So there's only one maximum for those two accounts. So the current max, so as of 2022, is 20500 per year. So you can put in up to, as an employee, up to 20500 per year into a 403b slash 401k, like the combined of the two. And you can't put in any more than that. So 20,500 is the cap. So that's important to understand. That's a combined limit for both 401k and 403b. Now there is a there is an exception 
for some of these plans that have required mandatory contributions. So check with your plan provider if this is your situation. But a lot of these plans have mandatory or required contributions to the retirement plan. So in many cases, that contribution, although it technically is you as an employee contributing, it's not considered as part of that employee contribution because that 20500 limit I was talking about is a voluntary. It's like you chose to put it in. So if it's a mandatory contribution, you technically are not choosing anything. It's a required thing. So that can, if that's the case, you have that mandatory required contribution. Oftentimes that will not go into that 20,500 limit I was just talking about. So, you know, in other words, you could put in 20,500 into your 401k slash 403b and separately have that mandatory contribution and still not be over any limits. Then there's the 457b. So with the 457b, that plan has a completely separate limit. That's the most important thing to take away. The 457b has a completely separate limit. So going back to the scenario I just talked about, if you have that 403b say, and it has, you can put in 20,500 of your own employee contributions, and maybe you have a mandatory contribution that does not count towards that. So that's separate. And then maybe you have a 457b plan as well. So in that case, you can put in another 20,500 and max that out. So that's a completely separate limit that is does not count against the other limits. That's important to understand because a lot of people don't realize that and they think that they've maxed everything out. But in reality, you still potentially have that option. While we're talking about 457B plans, one of the biggest things with those is understanding if it's a governmental or a non-governmental 457B plan. For the sake of simplicity, like if it's a 457 governmental plan, it's basically going to be very similar to a normal 401k or 403b. It's actually slightly more flexible than a 401k or 403b. Ideally, it's a governmental plan, and that's a really good thing and probably going to make sense to fund that type of plan for people that want to max out tax shelters. On the other hand, if it's a non-governmental 457B plan, that's not near as appealing as the governmental 457. The reason is because, so the 457 non-governmental plan, first of all, it is going to be technically the hospital or company providing it. It's technically going to be their asset. They'll have a plan to promise to pay you. So you eventually get the benefits, but like the way it works is the company, the hospital owns the asset and then has the responsibility to pay you the balance. So the problem with that is if they get, if they go bankrupt or something and have people, creditors are trying to go after them, that balance is subject to the hospital's creditors. So in other words, you could lose all the money due to stuff your hospital did. So that's definitely not a good thing, especially if your hospital's going out of business or whatever. 
if there's any doubt the, about the financial viability of your employer, then that's a definite plan to stay away from. And even if you're confident in their finances, it's just a risk there to think about. The second big downside of the of the non-governmental 457 is they typically have much more limited options for like leaving employment or retiring. So like a 403B or 457, or I'm sorry, a 403B or 401k, if you leave work, most of the time you can roll it over to your new 401k or roll it over to an IRA or something like that. So it's pretty flexible and it stays the, you can kind of preserve it and keep it growing and not be forced to take the money out. 457 non-governmental, typically you can't do that. Well, you can never roll it to an IRA and you can never roll it into a governmental 457 plan. And the only way you can roll it over typically is into a, another non-governmental plan. And then the options for a lot of these 457 non-governmental plans have very rigid forced withdrawals if you leave. So worst case scenario would be like the plan says you have to liquidate everything if you terminate employment early. So that's where you need to check out your plan and see what it says. But say you build up money in this 457 non-governmental plan and then your job doesn't work out or you leave after 10 years or something, you have several hundred thousand dollars in there and then you go take a new job, keep making the same income. Problem with that is if this less, if this inflexible plan forces you to take all 200,000 out all at once, that's taxable income on top of what you're already making, which is like kind of like a tax bomb at the highest, it's going to be the highest tax bracket or, you know, at your highest tax bracket. So it can create that like, you know, not so great tax situation where they're forcing you to take the funds out. And so it's much, it's always less flexible, but like your plan will spell out exactly how those options work. So main things, if you have that 457 plan to look out for are whether or not it's governmental. So it's either non-governmental or governmental. And you want to, ideally it's governmental. Governmentals are much more flexible and they basically are very similar to a 401k or 403b, but they're slightly more flexible. Or is your plan a non-governmental, which is very inflexible? So if it's a non-governmental, big, big considerations are subject to your company's creditors and typically very inflexible. So I would, if you're thinking about or are already funding that, it'd be really good to understand what those options are, especially if you are terminating employment and kind of what that looks like. Okay, so that's all I got today. Quick, want to do a quick episode for you guys. Hopefully look forward to getting into some additional tax-related topics and investing topics in the future. But if there's other areas in relation to benefits and retirement plans like this, give me a holler, let me know, and we'll definitely be happy to cover that in the future. Look forward to talking to you next time. Please know that anything I've said today in this podcast should not be considered advice. It is completely for educational and entertainment purposes only. 
It would be best to view me as just another guy talking about money on the internet. For advice, please consult your advisors. If you don't happen to have a financial advisor already, I happen to know a firm that's absolutely fantastic. It's actually the firm I started and currently run now, Ren Financial Planning. And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at www.renfinancial.com.